0: Welcome to the show. She's Amy Oust. He's Scotty Kiffer.
1: Welcome to the show.
0: Yes, we've got a very exciting guest this week on the show.
1: He's one of my favorite guys in the Canadian country music business. Let's say hello to Dan Davidson.
2: Hey guys, how you doing? What's cracking, buddy? <laughs> you know, just uh, keeping that social distance nice and wide and uh, <laughs> trying to get some work done in the meantime.
1: Right on. Are you getting much done?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm kind of diving into the creative stuff now, um, you know, just after Dieselbird wrapped up, I'm starting to get back into writing and working on some stuff for my publisher. And yeah, you know, all, all I can do is to keep the train moving.
0: Well, you've definitely been busy because of Dieselbird, which just happened, was a huge success. Congratulations on that.
2: Thanks. Yeah, and you know, it was it was wild. It really uh, escalated quickly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in a good way this time.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finally, something in the music industry goes the right way. Yeah, right.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you put this together.
2: Well, you know, I, I kind of saw out there that all my friends' tours and shows were starting to get canceled and postponed, and you know, as we get closer to the summer and more and more things get canceled into July, it's like you know, 75 to 80% of our income comes from the summertime. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, is terrifying. And uh, so, you know, we're looking around and we're seeing all these people trying to make the best of it, doing their live streams from their couches. And, and, you know, that's cool, but I just thought that there's got to be a way to do this bigger, better, and a way that can have some impact out there. So, yeah, essentially, um, I worked with my branding guy, my partner in a lot of things uh, in my career, Travis Nesbitt, and we came up with this uh, digital music festival and um, yeah you know we partnered with the Unison Benevolent Fund which supports our music community here if people are in need of uh, you know counseling or financial advice or financial support this is pretty much one of our only backstops as a, as a music uh, community so obviously they were very a very important charity for me to work with and, and also the Red Cross is to support Canadians in general out there trying to help with the prevention efforts and, and treatment and all that stuff so yeah I mean that that was really cool and and we ended up just asking some friends, you know. I'd, I started asking the people that were closest to me, and pretty soon, uh, I realized how old I am, or something, because I've <laughs> know I know a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, yeah, we start after we got guys, you know, like Dallas Smith and James Barker and, and Taber on board. It, it, I looked up, and all of a sudden, we had everybody in on board, really. And, and uh, so, we opened up a second day because it was it was such a popular idea, and, and opened it up to rock and pop a little bit. And had some of the. Uh, the biggest rock and pop artists out there too. And, you know, a lot of Juno winning number one platinum album havers on the on the list. So it was really exciting.
0: How do you moderate something like that? Because it, it would go to you and then it would go to the, you know, the stream of whoever was performing and then back to you. Like, how did, how do you do that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, there's mental gymnastics is the way I like to describe it. It was uh, a lot of thinking. So we had, uh, I had in, uh, in my, my big studio here in Edmonton. We have a huge like live floor where it's uh, it's basically a green screen r- room for all of our music videos and things like that. So I kind of set up out there, and uh, Travis set up in the office. And um, so he was taking phone calls and making sure that people were on schedule, and I was kind of trying to move things along, keeping it to schedule. But uh, yeah, it was it was really tricky because you know we're all all the time you're dealing with technical difficulties, people being early, people being late. So a lot of that going on. But uh, we're really lucky that instagram has such an easy platform to deal with like you just come on instagram live and then i hit the button to split screen and artists come in and we chat for a bit do a song and then i kick them out and go to the next one
1: pretty cool man
2: it was an interesting idea trying to keep it simple as 45
1: artists 53 almost fifty-four thousand dollars raised you're a pioneer man this was this the first <laughs> do you know if this was the first digital music festival
2: as far as we could tell it was um which is really cool you know like that's fu- kind of fun to be first to the party on this kind of stuff and uh yeah and i mean now you're going to see him every every day and i think already the the live streaming thing people are starting to be like okay another live stream great 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 yeah so yeah we're, so we're trying to figure out uh, that's the next challenge for diesel is to figure out what the next step is to to make it uh something engaging for fans and maybe we can find a way for uh to help support our fellow artists out there find a way to make them some money so that's, right. that's my next challenge i'm going to try and work on
1: so diesel bird will continue
2: yeah in some form or you know some shape or form we're uh we're talking about doing like an actual festival in, in a year or two and and we have a, a lot of plans for that for the whole thing we got a good team sort of that just r- randomly got built around this thing so you know we're from the, from the date of conception which is like 14 days before the event till now you know like three weeks later it's it's crazy how much stuff we were able to get rolling like we are tied into these awesome awesome brands that were helping us uh, support you know get the word out there with our marketing costs and things about diesel bird and so now we've got these really great relationships and a really good uh, group of people that mm-hmm. I think are gonna help us bring dieselbird to the next level
1: cool so when can we expect diesel bird to?
2: No man, I don't know. That's a conversation.
0: <laughs> Give the guy a break for a hot minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean,
2: what else has he got to do?
1: <laughs>
2: it's kind of nice because my my wife's company is considered an essential business, so she's working a lot, and most of the time I'm at home with with my kids. So, you know, it's it's a it's a life filled with pillow forts and obstacle courses and painting toenails and playing Barbies. So it's perfect a break for me. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> How
0: are you uh, keeping your kids occupied?
2: Oh, well, barely is the
0: answer. (laughs) (laughs) Same, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
2: I'm starting to run out of ideas. I'm getting a little squirrely. And, and, you know, it's Alberta, so we have uh, two feet of snow, and it's freezing cold here still. So can't go outside. And uh, it's really, we're starting to get cabin fever. But luckily, I think the the, the light is at the end of the shining tunnel here. We got hopefully some nice weather coming our way, and we can go to the park. Well, actually, the parks are closed. We can go for a walk, hang out in the backyard. So that's, I'm really looking forward to that. I've never, never looked so forward to, uh, you know, mediocre April weather in my right, life. Right,
0: Do you think when all of this is said and done and life kind of resumes back to normal, do you think that these artists will still be, you know, doing home sessions like they have been?
2: I don't know. Like, I, I think there's going to be a, an angle on it. I think it's going to evolve into something cool. I'm, I don't think it'll be the same as it is. I mean... It, if it was a huge artist I think so but like we, I think artists have to be a little bit careful with uh, you know how often they're doing these kinds of things because people do get desensitized to it and it's not as special if you don't do right. it just once in a while right so
0: that's a really good but point I,
2: yeah i think it's gonna be uh what we will see when this the dust settles on this whole thing is i think we're gonna see a huge creative boom like people have been sitting around thinking and trying to write and get better and it's just we're gonna have like 40 albums drop in july probably
1: it's so interesting i i i think you just hit the nail on the head is that people are trying to get better during this time and that's that's really exciting for me
2: yeah like i've never practiced guitar so much in my life totally And there's these things going around now, challenges. People are doing challenges. You've probably seen all the workout challenges and stuff. But uh, Darren Savard (laughs) from Dallas' band started this thing called Lick Trader. So it's like guitar players go on, play lick. Somebody else has to play that lick and then show them a new one. So it's like you see all these top side guys in Canada getting on there. It's really cool. Like I've jumped in it a few times. And, yeah, so these are the little positives that can – come out you know come out for us it's these little things that are self-improvement and hopefully just prepping for when we can just hit hit the gas again
1: right on so let's let's rewind a little bit Dan you were the uh, the frontman of a band called Tupelo honey what was the transition like coming out of the rock world and into the country world surprisingly
2: more seamless than I thought like it, it I thought there was going to be a lot of pushback from our our fans and tupelo honey but you know I, I started to see that there was quite a bit of a crossover like we weren't like necessarily a massively heavy metal band we did have some aggressive songs but you know we had we had songs that i think could be delivered as country songs too so when i when i kind of unlocked that door of, of my writing like i was something i always kind of kept shut away i realized that like oh yeah there's a lot of a lot of natural country isms in there and and uh, obviously a, lo- a lot of guys that sort of paved the way for me like guys like Dallas who I'd toured with for years before he got into country and right he was actually one of the reasons that it all worked for me I went I went to see him uh, when he was opening the Florida Georgia Line tour when like tippin' Point just came out and um, he was like man you should give this a try you got kind of like the right look and the right vibe and, and the right voice I think you could totally do this and I was like oh, maybe I can <laughs> so I did some writing and I put out a song and man ever since that ever since Found came out like it was like it was just Keeping up with my own momentum, which was kind of a, a nice problem to have, it was, it was stressful, but that's the best way to come onto a scene. And, and you know, lightning rarely strikes twice in this business. So I was really lucky to have a new life and a second career. So let's
1: talk about Found for a second. Uh, you wrote it with Clayton uh, yeah. on the Roadhammers. So how was that song born? What was the what was the whole deal to get that thing rolling?
2: Well, you know, it was kind of funny because, like, Alberta, we're not the the songwriting hub of the world here. There's a lot of songwriters, but not a lot of the people that, you know, I see out there that are, current. you know, all the ones getting the big cuts and the ones having the big hits. So I was kind of thinking about, I was doing a lot of Skype writing and trying to get in touch with people, and I didn't really know anyone in Nashville yet, So, um, but I, I realized that Clayton from the Roadhammers was, like, Lived an hour away. So I, was, I called him up one day. I'd met him a couple times because we'd played the same festivals and things like those rock country festivals that kind of split. And um, yeah, so I was like, hey, dude, you know, I'm working on this country thing now and uh, you do that for a living. So <laughs> let's hang out. <laughs> and uh, I brought over a song idea that I had and I'd written it because my producer was like, you know what, we need we need uh, Honey, I'm Good meets Thank God I'm a Country Boy. I'm like, okay. So I sat in my kitchen with no guitar, and I just was stomping and clapping and came up with two parts that, like, would you marry me part, and uh, so I can't remember what the other part was, and brought it to Clay, we just kind of, like, zoned it in, and and uh, Clay added his touches, and we had a song in, in two hours, and we just called it, you know, it's one of those things, that we call it a sky song, it just like falls, just falls from out. the sky yeah. right in your lap, yeah. so... Those are usually the best ones when your brain is off and it just happens. So, yeah, I mean, I've been i worked with Clay so much since then. We did Barn Burner together. We've done uh, a ton of writing and uh, we're working on we're still working on projects together. We're producing a record right now. We just produced a band, a rock band from Saskatoon together. And, nice. Yeah. So we're uh, pretty tightly, tightly wound, Clay and I.
0: What is it about uh, that working relationship that just seems to work so well for the both of you?
2: Well, I think we kind of understand each other a little bit. Like you know, Clay and I are both quick to tell you that we, you know we may we may not be the the brightest star in the room when it comes to a writing session, but we're the guy that's there working the hardest. And and I think that's that goes a long way. You know, I think there's some people that walk in and they're just naturally brilliant and they just have these flashes, and you're just like, wow, how did you do that? But I think Clay and I both associate ourselves as just like guys that get in the trenches and start grinding. So mm-hmm. we, that's kind of a uh, how I found success in this industry and and I think Clay can relate to that so I think we just have a, we understand each other and you know what the best part is we've done so much work together now that we're sitting at about a fifty percent rate. Fifty percent of the time, it's awesome. Fifty percent, it sucks. But we understand <laughs> that you have to get through those crappy ones to get yeah. to the good ones.
1: <laughs> right on. Getting back to the rock versus country thing, how do you find the difference between the two genres as a as a working artist uh, and a recording artist? What's What's the difference between the two genres from your perspective?
2: Well, it's interesting, you know, like, I think with country music, fans are so loyal and they're there for life and it's not about being cool and the demographic is so wide. So you can go to a country festival and be, have a diehard 13-year-old fan or a diehard 80-year-old fan, yep. you know? Yep. You never know. Uh, and, like, a lot of my stuff works better in those, like, beer garden kind of settings and that's, that's great because, like, it seems like the people that resonate most with me are in that 20 to 35 world. Um, but... It's it's really interesting that way how that there's a place for everybody in in country fans sort of psyche, but you know in rock it's a little bit more about being cool and it's it's a bit more of a fickle audience I find like I, I love rock music I'm a rock fan, but uh, I find that there's waves of coolness that come and go really quickly and uh, and that that's tricky to manage I, I found so, but um, you know I, I was really lucky I had a great career in rock and I really enjoyed it and you know maybe I'll do another rock song someday I'm not sure but. Uh, yeah, I mean, with country, it feels at home for me because where I'm at in my life, the most important thing to me in my music career is meeting people and having a great time. And that's just what country fans want to do. So it works great for me.
0: And the Canadian country music scene, it's a, such a family, too, right? I, with such a close-knit group of people.
2: Oh, it's so awesome. Like, I couldn't believe how how open everyone was when we started Dieselbird, just calling them up and it'd be like, yep, that sounds cool just let me know when <laughs> and uh even guys like dallas you know like dallas is like the king of canadian country music and uh super accessible so i, I just think that's that's really awesome and, and uh i think everyone understands that we're all in this together and it's you know in america there's such a such a difference between you know the the top tier artists and and the, and the entry level artists and in canada i find it's just like we all know that the perception is huge the perception difference is huge but we all know that we're not all that different from each other. Sure. So there's a, a mutual respect, I think, that goes around. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So
1: let's talk about your producer Diesel for a second. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, was was uh, was his name part of the naming of the festival?
2: No, he thought it was. <laughs> but, uh, no, it wasn't. It was. Uh, it was kind of funny how it all worked out. Like um, I was telling you about my partner Travis. We were uh, we were basically building a festival. Already for called Diesel Bird. Like, we really wanted to right. um, come up with something down the line. But we just, we just had this name, we had this brand, and then when the opportunity came up to do a digital festival, we were like, oh, let's just call it that because it sounds cool. And we had merch designs. So, <laughs> uh, so that worked out great. But people like, I have a friend named Joel Bird, who's Artisol's sound man. Yep. And, and then obviously Jeff Dalziel, who's Diesel. Uh, so yeah, he, they thought that we named it after them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Sorry, guys, not the case. <laughs>
1: So how did you connect with uh, with Diesel then, and, and um, w- did you guys work together back in the Tupelo Honey days, or?
2: Yeah, like, I, I give Jeff a lot of credit for why I'm here today. I mean, he's, he, we basically, Tupelo Honey, we met Jeff because uh, we won the Alberta Band Slam back in the day when I was, when we were rolling, there was a, a internet, like a national band competition. We were the band that represented Alberta. We went to Toronto, we won the national competition, and it was, uh jeff was there he just happened to walk into the room as we were finishing our last song he's like oh these guys can play this is cool so he invited us out to come write with him and he was working at sony music at the time as a house producer there and uh we went out and met jeff and he taught us a lot about songwriting a lot about the business and he taught me a lot about production so honestly i've uh ever since Tupelo Honey's second record in probably 2005 i've been working with jeff so it's we've got a a really height thing going on and i understand exactly what he needs from me so typically when we make music together these days uh we don't, we're not often in the same room yeah and i, I just know his system so well now and I, I bought all the gear that matches him so he can tell me uh, any settings that need to change and i record my own vocals in edmonton and send them off to him but cool. he's he's just been like such an awesome mentor and uh He's got a, a little bit of like a punk rock attitude about the music industry because he's 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 been through the ringer a few times too, and I, I like that because it's that's the way I kind of come at things. I'm I'm trying to do things a little differently, um, you know. I'm trying not to fight the same fight as the label bands. I'm trying to trying to come at things slightly asymmetrically and, and uh, find my own way.
1: Was your project the first country thing that Jeff produced?
2: Well, you know, ba- way back even before Tupelo Honey, he had done some country stuff before, like Adam Gregory and whatever. But oh, cool. Um, I think. I was his foray back into modern country right and it was really exciting like that's what I love about the, the squad that I kind of have is it, like Bill Miller does radio promotion for me he was he was ground level with me and, and I was one of his first country acts and and uh, Travis my, my video guy I mentioned before like I hired him to do his first music video for a girl that I was developing and brought him into country and then all of a sudden he's doing videos for Jess Mosley and washboard and Brett Kissel and he's doing everybody's stuff and So it's cool that we all are growing together and i feel like there's a a really a really interesting dynamic and bond and energy there
0: and it's so important to have such a a strong team behind you too right
2: yeah i mean we all can trust each other and they all understand how this how this goes and how i'm different than other artists and, and what the brand is so it's it's really it's cool i mean it's it's always tough to get everybody exactly on the same page with creative things like, like music. But I think, you know, when we do, we know that it's it's a winner. When we're all like, yeah, yeah, no pro- no questions asked, let's roll. It's like, ah, feels great. <laughs>
1: it's but like yeah, herding cats, right?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, it so is. And, and, you know, even with a team that, that clicks effortlessly, we're still you still hit those spots where it's like some person thinks one song is a single and some people think it's not. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of, of this whole thing. It's a bit of a push and pull until you get to where you need to be.
1: How do you navigate the, the single selection process, right? Everybody's got an opinion. Does it all come down to Dan Davidson to pick a Dan Davidson single?
2: Yeah. And I hate that part of this whole thing. <laughs> I am the worst at that. Cause I just like, I think something is I get really attached to something and then I start like overthinking it and and you know but luckily now i I have the 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 nimbleness to be able to just move on something right away before i can talk myself out of it so (laughs) that's a that's a huge leg up for for what we have going on. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of start coming back to what I think the, the core the core is of what the, the Dan Davidson brand is. And, and a lot of that, it's just good times music and it's it's fun and upbeat. And it's uh, the things that I don't have to think about, which seems to be songs about getting drunk and falling in love. So.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, <laughs> Sounds exactly. like a good time to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how do you avoid being married to a certain song or concept or idea? How do you avoid that? Because you had mentioned, you know, you can you can really fall down the rabbit hole with that, and you get really attached to one thing.
2: Well, it's really tough to avoid, I find, and the reason I think for that is, you know, when if I go down to Nashville on a writing trip, you'll always have somebody that makes a demo right that day, and it's usually a fantastic demo. But the problem is that they don't. A lot of these people you're meeting for the first time might not know your the brand so well so they might make a really shiny pop demo and then i'll get attached to that and then you know when i go to produce the song maybe we do it too pop or you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. just like maybe it's too country or whatever so it's it's um it's always tough for for that demoitis is what we call it getting attached to the demo and uh having a having a bit of a palate cleanser is really important so I'm, I'm really working on that even all these years later it's still tough to shake a shake a good demo that's
1: funny i, I feel like the, the you know while the coronavirus is real demoitis is a scary thing too <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> for me it is anyway <laughs> All right, so with uh, with Dieselbird now under your belt, you've got some new music coming.
2: Right before this whole thing went down, I, I released a song kind of just digitally, and, and I put out a music video. The song was called I Do, and we I just put the music video out on Facebook first just to kind of test it. Um, since it wasn't really a hard release, it was more just like a, a float out kind of thing, and um, it was crazy. The, the I did a viral video, and it was like the first time I was ever going to have my wife in a video, and it was going to be this thing where... It was a sweet epic date so i was gonna do all these cool things and it was gonna i was be the butt of the joke and whatever ha 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 it's funny and then we uh she heard her back the day of the shoot oh, and i had no. to go to europe the next day so uh well, i got my buddy mike nash who plays in the prairie states to fill in so me and mike had a romantic <laughs> little bro date and uh i just photoshopped jen's face onto mike's body
1: get out of here
2: it exploded we got like 105,000 views in a week on it on facebook dude
1: (laughs) you know that's that's one thing that i've always admired about you is uh is your ability to think outside the box Mm -hmm. and not take yourself so seriously um you're not afraid to look goofy i love that about you uh where does that energy come from
2: well, I, I don't know i think it was just like it feels like it's a lot of the same stuff that i always wanted to do and, and always was doing in, in the rock days so kind of just it's just what i've always kind of done and, and uh I think that that's, that's how a person's gonna win in this business is, is showing a little personality I, at least that's why i like to tell myself because you know a lot of music videos you see out there they kind of just look like a tim hortons commercial yeah and i just like i don't care like, <laughs> there's nothing there for me to grab into it so i figure like at least if I'm going to make a music video, let's make it something people can either laugh at or share or think is insane or whatever. So try and go over the top there just because uh, I mean, the whole point of a music video is to get people to watch it. And I think, um, you know, I don't know. I just I don't want to be bland in anything. I want to come at this with a, a whole lot of personality. So yeah, I mean, I just, and plus it's fun. <laughs> I just get to make up videos totally. with my friends and, you know, go to Japan and do all these kinds of silly things.
1: Do you have a favorite video that you made?
2: Well, I think the experience of the Barnburner video when we were yeah. in Japan was like something I'll never forget. It was so crazy. It dressed me up like a combination of John Wayne and Elton John and <laughs> plopped <pull out laughs> me in the middle of Tokyo. So.
0: <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Can you... What are we talking about Japan? He shot a yeah,
2: video did, in Japan.
0: I didn't know you my, shot a vid. The, you actually shot it in Japan.
2: Yeah, the second video I ever did. So the found video was my first silly video, and, and that one was like I had... One day and, and 500 bucks, so I rented a bunch of mascot costumes and dressed up my friends like a bunch of morons, and the video <laughs> went top 20. So that was a good, good start. And, uh, and then uh, the next time I had a little bit more money, I had like a $5,000 grant or something like that for a video, and Travis, my director, he, uh, we were talking, and he's like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll just like, you know, you take your wife, and I'll take my girlfriend, we'll go to Hawaii, and we'll just kind of mess around and make a beach video. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool and uh, so his or... wife and she was getting excited and the phone rang again and it was Travis and he said tell your wife she's not coming we're going to Japan <laughs> like, all right ouch <laughs> so we started brainstorming a little bit and we bought this like completely white uncomfortably tight like rhinestone cowboy outfit fantastic and uh, and we just went to Tokyo and dressed me up like an idiot and we were walking around and it was just capturing reactions of how weird people thought I was and it was like there's two, two ways that people reacted one was uh, they wouldn't look at me because they felt so embarrassed for me because they're very respectful <laughs> people and, and the other one was they would be like a cowboy and they would run over and they want like a million pictures
1: they <laughs> love that culture over there don't they
2: Oh man, they were just fascinating cuz it's just so so not something they have. Did they think was, you were uh, a
1: rock star or not?
2: Yeah, they thought I was like a famous country star. A lot of people they kept asking me if I was from Texas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the uh, so, the big rock star energy you put out there Dan. That's that amazing. <laughs> it.
2: it was hilarious, but we've yeah, we've done some pretty good things. Like the the other I've traveled to so many places. I played in France last year. Um, and while we were there, we just discovered that there was, like, all these line dancers over there that really got into my stuff. Like, we found videos on YouTube of, like, 250 people in the streets of Bordeaux, France, doing a line dance to Barnburner or Found or something. So, so we got in touch with all these line dance instructors and dance things, because line dancing is so huge over there. It's, like, part and parcel of country music. It's, like, 30 years ago. Um, and we organized this little tour. So we, were, we went to Budapest, and we met. 200 people there and did a line dance and shot it and and then same thing with Milan and uh all these places and we made a music video f- uh for the song these are my people that i put out it was another just kind of a soft release but it was a great video so we had to make it
1: <laughs> that's great man
2: cool experiences
0: i was reading on your uh facebook page that uh one of your choreographer friends in france was also did a, a line dance too. i i do
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this this girl, uh, her name is Severin Fillon. She's she's in uh, the Tour area of France. It's kind of west of Paris. She's like very famous in the line dancing community there, and uh, she made a, a line dance to a couple of my songs when I was last time I was there. And so yeah, when I when I was putting out I Do, she she made this whole dance up, and I, I saw the video of her teaching it to a couple hundred people, and yeah, I mean that's how you market. Country music in in France it's it's really interesting how it's starting it's like underground there but the fans are hardcore hmm. like I, I played again in France this year least a few months ago and uh, it was crazy place I've never been to before and we had 500 people at the show wow so, yeah I don't know how it happens but uh, I'll accept <laughs>
1: <laughs> super cool
2: dude yeah man so that was fun and and uh, I'm excited to go back to Europe more I think U- the UK is starting to have a bit of a country scene and hopefully. Hopefully I'll get in on the ground floor
1: over there. Dan Davidson worldwide.
2: Trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> worldwide, me and people.
1: <laughs> Love it. Hey, man, let's let's move on to uh, a section of the show that we like to call Turn Us On. This is where we get you to turn us on to something that you've discovered that you can't live without. And it could be a uh, Netflix series. It could be uh, an artist that you like. It could be a book. Anything that you uh, are just super excited about that you want to share with us?
2: Well, there's a. I guess there's a couple things that I find i've worked into my daily life over the last year like uh well when i was on the road with brett kissel uh, a couple of guys in his band we're all trying to figure out a way to stay healthy because in the beginning of the tour i just had a really bad back and i was Mm -hmm. was just getting sick of feeling crappy all the time so i was like that's it i'm taking control i'm gonna i'm gonna it's not about physio it's not about treatments it's about getting stronger so i started this workout program online called X, and it's like a website that you can just get to on your phone ben bradley uh, Brett's old drummer turned me on to it and um, yeah like I, I use it five times a week now it's awesome it's just I feel great and uh, I don't know it's just like really really good exercises you can do with zero equipment so that's that's been one thing that I, I feel like I can't live without these days <laughs> but mostly it's not I don't work out for vanity reasons anymore I work out so I don't die <laughs>
0: <That's-> <laughs>
2: That's where I'm at in my life. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So that's one, and I've been really into, uh, as far as music goes, I I wrote with Corb Lund last year, and he's kind of that rootsy guy, and he's just, Really interesting. I've always been really fascinated by Corb, even though you know we kind of have completely different sounds. But sure. he, he got me into um, one of his friends' music. This guy's he does really well in the states. His name's Hayes Carl.
1: Hayes is great. And, yeah.
2: Oh man, I, I just like I love his music so much. It's just this drunken Bob Dylan country guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a
1: great way to describe him.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I that's something i've I've been i always you know recommend when people are asking me what should i listen to go listen to hayes he's awesome (laughs) i just i think i love it because i could never do that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. i just don't don't feel like i understand it and i think that's what makes it so intriguing to me
1: that's so interesting man i feel the same way about post malone
2: (laughs) totally you know yeah i mean i don't have gold teeth or neck tattoos but still like the guy
1: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't understand it, but I like yeah,
2: it. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, let's ask you some uh, some questions here. This uh, the little game, it's called Five Questions, and we don't want you to think too, too hard on it. We're, we're going to uh, kind of fire them at you, and uh, we'll see what you can come up with here, okay?
1: Sure. All right. Question number one. What is the song that you wish you wrote?
2: Um, Today by Smashing Pumpkins. I don't know. That's would not have had. expected that answer from no. you. Okay. Well, I think it's because somebody asked me what one of my all time favorite records was. And that was a big uh, developmental record for me. I right. Think. Time Dream. There cool. you go.
0: If you could eat only one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Tacos. Oh, yeah. Nice. Tacos or fried egg sandwiches. Those are my two things.
1: <laughs> Tacos, not just for Tuesday anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what musician would you love to tour with? Could be uh, someone living or dead.
2: Um, I think thinking about the current world, I would love to tour with John Party. I think I could mm-hmm. I could do all right on that show or uh, or Cor just for fun because it's selfish reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Dig it.
0: I remember meeting Core Blund probably back in 2003. He's a giant. <laughs> oh, man.
1: I know. That, that boy could build you a shed.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> He's got the tools for the job. Remember that song? Right. <laughs> what a
2: great song.
0: What is your favorite travel destination?
2: Uh, Hawaii, hands mm. down. I, I went to Hawaii a couple times when I was younger, and it was like, after I went, I was like, oh. Well, this is the only place I need to go now. This is it. It's like Mexico with muscles. (laughs) That's
1: great. (laughs) Write that song.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that
1: that definitely sounds like a country song. Sounds like a Dan Davidson song. Uh,
2: Or at least a bad joke.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, And finally, what is, if there's one show, uh, what's the one that you would go to to binge watch?
2: Oh well, right right now I'm I'm currently doing one. It's the the man in the high tower. It's like this this kind of like fantasy show about what it'd be like in the world if uh, the Axis powers had won the Second World War, and it's like this time traveling thing, super sci-fi, totally awesome. What's it called? It's called the Man in the High Castle or the Man in the High Tower, something like that.
0: Where so. can we find that?
2: That's on Amazon.
0: Nice. All right. Okay. Yeah,
2: check it out. It's good I mean, to know.
1: Somebody recommended Hunters to us a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of previews. I think that might be next up for me. Sounds great. Yeah,
1: man. Right on, dude. Well, hey, thanks for taking some time and chatting with us on the show today. It was great to catch up.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That was really that was a fun interview. Lots of good questions today.
0: We will uh we'll be looking for some more Dieselbird digital music festivals down the road. Hopefully, fingers crossed. That's
2: right, we'll be working on them for you.
0: All the best, Dan. Thanks for speaking with us.
2: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy.
0: Ah, Dan Davidson. He's so fantastic <laughs> and funny. You
1: know, I just. I I can never wait to get my hands on his latest video. They're okay. just so much fun. Dan, thanks so much for taking some time, buddy. We uh, we got to hop off with this whole social distancing thing. We are working ahead. So we will be back next week with a brand new artist and a whole bunch of brand new stories.
0: He's Scotty Kipper. She's Amy O. Welcome to the
1: show.